Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. CJ, if you got the slides, don't put them up because they are not what we're doing this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Um, Pastor Jordan, I'm going to give you a very important job. Whatever happens, don't let me forget to receive an offering this morning, okay? <laughs> my Baptist friends will take my Baptist card. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I think it would be entirely appropriate for us to stand out of reverence as we read the Holy Word of God this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. I do love the first three words of this chapter. Finally, after so much has already been said and done today, we could almost just say finally and go home. But as I've already indicated, we do need to receive an offering. <laughs> we gather to worship Him, to praise Him, to bow down before Him, but we also gather to hear from Him, and that is the great task of preaching. Finally. And then this word, brethren... If you've received Christ as your Savior and you've gathered here today, you are in the family of God. And as Paul writes to those in Thessalonica with that beautiful word, brethren, so do I refer to you this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we are gathered here not as strangers or even as cousins, but we are gathered as one who has the same Father and who has been shown the same love, the same forgiveness. We have the same task, the same calling. And we are called together to encourage one another in that great task. So I say finally, brethren and sistren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Father, I pray that your spirit would rest heavy on our hearts. Lord, I beg you that if there's anyone here this morning who has been trusting in religion or who has been far from you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them clearly and draw them to you. If there be anyone here that's been wavering, or wondering, Lord, where you are. Lord, I pray that you would speak so clearly that they would know that you are here, Lord. And Father, empty me of myself that they would not hear from me, but they would hear from you, Father. For that is what we need. Guide my heart now, I beg you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
in the 30 seconds in which the Lord gave me this message about 30 seconds ago, I have just now decided to title it, He Is. Is that okay with you? Because we need to be reminded of who He is and what He is. And I just want to focus on one verse. And if, if you don't remember a word I say, I don't really care. But remember this verse. And remember that it is a declaration. It is a declaration of what He is. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 3 of chapter number 3. It does not say, but the Lord does faithfulness. For there is a difference, and I have said this many times, and I'll say it again this morning. There is a difference between what the Lord does and what the Lord is. For there's many times that the Lord does things for others that He does not do for me. So, Pastor Jared, that sounds out of sorts. That doesn't sound right. Well, I just have to be honest with you. I've never eaten manna in the wilderness on that great Sinai Peninsula. Have you? But yet he did that for others. I've never stood in the valley of Elah with sandals and five smooth stones in my pouch and a sling in my hand and looked a giant right between the eyes. I've never done that, but the Lord brought another man to that. There is a difference between the things the Lord does and things that the Lord is. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that the Lord is a refuge. And I'm thankful that the Lord will always be a refuge because that's not just what He does, it's what He is. I'm thankful that God is love. Love is not just what He does, but it's what He is. And He is immutable, unchangeable from everlasting to everlasting. When we declare an attribute of God, it's something that He is always actively participating in because it flows out of His very unchanging nature. He is. And I want you to notice three things that He is here this morning that have already been so well said. The first thing that I notice in verse number three is that he is faithful. But the Lord is faithful. This flows out of verse number two. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. And it is so easy to be surrounded by unreasonable and, and wicked men. It is the plight of our existence here in this world at this time in the year 2022. I would say that common sense has become a very rare commodity. And it seems as though we have been under such attack and such influence by the, the waves of evil here in this world. But we spend so much time time focusing on those waves of evil, we become consumed with worry about uh, what, what Satan is going to do in this world and even how it may influence that next generation to come, which we love and which we're trying to raise. But let us do as the psalmist did. And instead of casting our eyes down to the earth, let us lift our eyes up unto the hills from whence cometh our help and be reminded that our help 
comes from the Lord and our help is coming from a God who is faithful and that always comes through a God who has not forgotten us a God who has not forsaken us and I tell you that your circumstance may be changing you may be transitioning in life from one place to another from one stage to another you may feel as though you have been all forsaken and all alone but I want you to be reminded this morning that our God is faithful. Oh, let me give you just a few things that he's been faithful for in my life. And perhaps you could say the same in yours. He's been faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it seems like every time that Satan tries to go back into our past and dredge up uh, the wickedness that may lie there, the regret, the remorse, and, and the misgivings that lay in the trail of our past, it seems that Satan is always trying to load those up on his wheelbarrow, sometimes his dump truck, and he drives just ahead of us and tries to unload those, all of those things right there at our footsteps. But I'm glad that there is a God who has been faithful to forgive us all of those things. And if we have come to him and asked forgiveness, I want you to know that we don't have to spend one day, not one moment of worry or remorse over the things in our past. For the Bible says, that he has buried those things. He has buried them in the depths of the ocean and he has posted a no fishing sign. My God has been faithful to forgive me. My God has been faithful to lead me. He's been faithful to lead me. In fact, uh, that's sitting right here in the context of this passage. Look with me in verse number five, the very first words. And the Lord direct your hearts into lo- and <clears throat> in- direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. He's always been faithful to lead me. I'm glad. That the Lord still leads us along. I know that sometimes we feel like God is so far and so distant from us. And we're wondering where he is. But I'm telling you that he is there. If the Lord seems still and silent in your life. Don't be shocked or overly worried by that. For the Bible in this passage does it not say that he leads us into the patient waiting for Christ. Now, I recognize that in the context of this passage, it would be most accurately interpreted that we are waiting for His second coming. We are waiting for the soon and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. But does not the Bible have a lot to say about the faithfulness of God as we wait for His instruction? For it is those that wait on the Lord that shall mount up with wings as eagles, that will run and and not be weary, that will walk and not faint. It is those that wait upon the Lord. And you may be in a series of your life where the Lord seems so still and you've cried out unto Him with your whole heart and He seems so silent. But let me remind you that God is still there. And perhaps He's waiting on your faithfulness before He demonstrates His 
But God is there. And if you've been shouting under the heavens and even shaking your fist towards him, please just wait. Just wait on the Lord because he is faithful. Now, the thing that I see in this passage that he is, not only is he faithful, but he is our foundation. Look with me at verse number three. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you. Shall establish you. It seems like there are so many people in this world that are so unstablished, if you will. Where every wave that comes by grabs hold of them and tosses them up against the rocks of life's difficulty. So many people don't have firm footing on what they are. They don't know what they are or where they are, what they want to be or why they're even breathing air on this earth. And I'm glad that that is not the case in the life of the believer for my eyes are on Jesus and I know what I am. I am forgiven by the grace of God. I know who I am. I am a child of God and I know why I'm here to be salt and light on this earth. And I know if I could add one more where I'm going, that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a pilgrim in this place, and my residence is in a kingdom which cannot be shaken and cannot be moved. And you might know that you ought to know that He is my foundation because I'm not those things because I said so, I'm those things because He said so. Because He said so. He's my foundation who shall establish you. You know, if I remember correctly, I believe it's in, in 1 Peter. It may be, be second. It's definitely not in 4 Peter, but it's in 1st or 2nd. But, uh, but the, the Word of God tells us, it says that, it says, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And you may be here this morning and, and you are still wondering where God's been because you would categorize your life this morning as a life that has been vexed with suffering and trial and loneliness. You're still stewing on this idea that so many have abandoned you, but the Lord is not. And I want to remind you that it may be through those trials of suffering. It may be through those trials of hardship that the Lord is shedding away everything else that you are relying on so that you could see that your feet are on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where others will forsake, He will not. And where others will leave, He will not abandon you. And He says that He will establish you. The Lord is faithful. He is faithful and he is our foundation and if you find yourself sinking then might I encourage you to reach up to the rock that is higher than I put your feet upon the Lord Jesus Christ don't trust in chariots or in horses don't trust in your job or your relationships but you trust in the power of God and the faithfulness of his word that it would be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path that your instruction that your direction that your path would be straightened by his word as you are led by his Holy Spirit and I will tell you this with absolute confidence that if you put your faith in him you will find a foundation in him that is unshakable and unquakable he is faithful 
He's our foundation. And He is our fortress. We turn our eyes back to verse number 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. You see, this is a hard thing, was it not? The Lord Jesus Christ himself, when speaking with his disciples, teaching them how to pray. He says to pray that the Lord would deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation. For evil is all around us. And the tragedy in a believer's life is that sometimes it seems like that evil will will take hold and we will fall and we will backslide and get into a whole life of wickedness. It begins with just a little temptation. That temptation begins to affect the way that we think and the way that our Our heart condition is and our heart can become hardened and we begin thinking more about the desires of our own flesh than the desires that God has for us. And as that temptation begins to grab hold more and more of our life, we look around and wonder how we got in such a desperate place. Which as the Bible does say that He's he's faithful. The Bible, it, it does say that He's our foundation. And then it even says here that it will keep you from evil. And I I wonder, I wonder what on earth does that mean? Because I've seen so many believers fall into evil. But I'm reminded that the Lord has a constant work of intercession there with the Father. And the Lord has secured us eternally uh, with the presence of God in heaven. And that one day we will be removed from all of the evil of this world. And we will have, we will step into that place which is our eternal, excuse me, our eternal home in heaven. And I realize that Jesus Christ is a fortress against the penalty of evil. He is a fortress against even the power that evil has over our life. That once we have been saved, we have been purchased, placed in the hand of God that no man can remove us, that we have been adopted, that we have been born again, we have been placed into this family eternal in the heavens, and that he is going to be a mighty fortress around us. Oh, the old hymn writer and reformer Martin Luther wrote that glorious song, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulkward never failing. A man that was stooped in religion, raised in the Catholic faith and a Catholic priest and then later a Catholic monk after the Augustinian order, the most severe and extreme order of monk. This man, Martin Luther, would do everything that he could by works to remain in good graces with God. He went through extreme cold and deprivation. He wore meager clothing trying to punish the sin out of his body that he could remain close and unaffected by the world. In fact, an interesting story that you may know 
Martin Luther with such a desire to rid his body and to make his body go through suffering that he might come into the closeness of God. He began to fast and he fasted to such a degree that it affected his digestive system in such a severe way that he never fully recovered from it for the rest of his life. He would come into the confessional booths like a good Catholic would. And those priests manning the booth would always fear when Martin Luther came because when he came into that confession booth, he would spend hours, hours <coughs> confessing sins he knew of, confessing sins he didn't know of, confessing sins he may have committed or confessing sins he might have committed, uh, confessing sins of omission where maybe the Lord wanted him to do one thing over the other and he chose the other first and then later the other and had made a mess and, and he was so concerned and overwhelmed and you can imagine the anxiety, the fear, the concern in this man's life as he just wanted to be close to God. He just wanted to please God. And then when reading in his Bible one day, he read this phrase that the just shall live by faith. Oh, and the Holy Spirit grabbed the sword of the Word of God and pierced his very heart. His eyes were opened and he realized that he was able to have communion and closeness with God, not by his works, not by his confession, not by the sacraments of the church, nor by the, the, uh, the words that the priests would give him to absolve sins, but no, instead that he was brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ by faith not by works. And I can only imagine the tears which must have streamed from his face as he wrote that glorious phrase, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. No matter what happens in my life, whenever what happens around me, I am secure in Christ and nothing, nothing, nothing. So Pastor Jared, you're stomping and pounding. It's because it's true. And it's because I know that I can't be good enough to keep my salvation. I can't be good enough to stay with God in my own works. I could never have been good enough to earn entrance into heaven. What, you think some angel is there by the gate saying, oh, you are really good. Come on in to the holiest of holy places. Oh, no. That angel's looking for one thing. And it's not your good works. It's not your tithing. It's not your religious experience. It's not your church attendance. It's not the fact that your grandma was a Christian. It's the fact that you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior and have been born again. And our God, He is faithful. Our God is also faithful in the fact that He is our fortress. Can I say this? A fortress, however, is only good if you happen to reside in it. So many people know all about this fortress. They could walk around that fortress and they can say, oh, look at its high tower. And you can quote the scripture how he is a high tower. They can look at the exterior of this beautiful fortress and notice the mortar joints and the strength of the stone and the rock that it is hewn out of. And they can say, wow, look at that unmovable rock. But they can never claim its defense 
until they walk into its door. And Jesus Christ himself says, I am the door. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe you've walked through that door many years ago, but you have forgotten that you reside in a fortress. You've forgotten how faithful our God has been to us throughout all of these years. You've forgotten that he is your foundation. If you have placed your feet on the sinking sand of this world, and it's time to get your feet back on that rock. Or maybe you're here this morning. And if I were to ask you, do you know for sure that you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know for sure that you've been born again? Do you know for sure that you've been forgiven? You could tell me all about that fortress, but maybe, just maybe, you've never walked through that door. In a moment, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes, but let me ask you this. If you're to be standing before God at the door of that fortress and he were to say, why should I let you in? What would be your answer? Oh, because I went to this church. Oh, because I did this thing. Or, oh, because I, I helped these people. Oh, because I was baptized. I'm sorry, but none of those are the right answer. For there's only one answer, and it's Jesus. It's the same answer that Martin Luther discovered so many years ago. That it's not by the works of righteousness which we have done. But instead... It's because there was a time in your life where you received by faith Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's a gift. But until you open that gift and receive it for yourself, you can have no benefit of it. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that needs to receive that gift and walk through that door.